Welcome New Life Manitou. It's so good to be together. Would you all stand with me as we prepare for worship? We're just coming off of the women's retreat yesterday and we talked about becoming our child of God's selves. I'm so thankful for a God that not only loves us, but calls us his children, aren't you? All right, so let's come into his courts boldly, just like children would run to the one that they love. And let's worship him in spirit and truth this morning. Amen. Amen. Sing.
Christ revealing and saving Holy Spirit comforting praying the perfect world the perfect world Heavenly Father redeeming creating Jesus Christ revealing and saving Holy Father, Spirit, Son, what a delight to be in your house together today, communing as brothers and sisters and abiding, abiding in your love, in your spirit. We just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Lance Coles. I'm one of the associate pastors at New Life Church. And as we prepare to give, I just want to share a a little update with you. I get the privilege of serving in what's called central operations. So I get to, uh, to get to attend all eight of our congregations. And I love it every time I come to New Life Manitou. But I know when I go to each congregation, everybody doesn't know what the others are doing. And in reality, we're all one church. And so when one of us does something, we're all doing something because we're doing it together because we've all contributed in one way or another to what the church is doing. And so I want to share with you a quick update that our outreach department shared recently and uh, just as a way to just rejoice together. Uh, First United Church reached out to us a few weeks ago asking for any assistance that we could give uh, to help more than 400 homeless uh, individuals seeking shelter from the cold in their building. So we immediately responded. We had some financial support we were able to give and our staff uh, and volunteers loaded up all the remaining Christmas blankets and emergency supplies that we had on hand and delivered them to First United Methodist Church. Uh, here in town. 
This collaborative effort resulted in the collection of 30 fabric blankets, 32 thermal emergency blankets, 80 hand warmers, 200 socks, 30 adult hats, 25 kids hats, 12 scarves, 60 pairs of gloves, and even more. And so we reached out uh, to Sanctuary Church, as we know they are very uh, active in the homeless population, and they too were in dire need of financial assistance to help uh, the homeless at this time. And so New Life Church, you, us, were able to give $1,000 to that effort. So I just wanted to share that with you as a way of encouragement today and remind us, yeah, let's give the Lord a big hand for that because that's what God is able to do when each of us do a little. And it's important that we all do what we can do and that we give regularly and we give to our local church so that not just any one of our congregations, but in this case, not just New Life, but First United Methodist Church and Sanctuary Church, the body of Christ together is able to minister to the people in our city and the people in our region. But it all comes through our faithful giving and, uh, and volunteering in our community. There's four ways to give. They should be up here on the screen. And so let's just rejoice uh, as we give together today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing in our city. Thank you for what you were able to do through New Life Church in contributing those goods to the homeless population in our city and so much more, not just here, but around the world, Lord. So as we give today, we give joyfully and we give believing God that you take our little part and you multiply it and you add it together with others and it becomes what's needed to reach others because all of us somehow, some way have received and Lord, we now rejoice that we can be a vessel that you use so others can receive. And ultimately, Lord, we want you to receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for our giving in Jesus' name. Amen.
worship this morning. We delight in you, we delight in your word. We delight in your ways. Lord Jesus, show us, teach us this morning, open our eyes and open our ears to receive your good news this morning. And sing your name we pray, amen, amen. We're so glad you came to worship with us this morning at New Life Manitou. Um, if you're new, a very, very special welcome to you. We have a gift for you at the end of our service, so make sure that you get that. And um, at this time, I'm gonna dismiss the kids, but hold on just a second. Um, I wanna highlight a need that we have on our volunteer team. There was a couple of people that were sick in the cold this morning or couldn't make it down the pass. And so we're actually short classroom teachers this morning. Um, and so I, would, I just wanna put a word out there that it would be wonderful if you love children and wanna be a part of our serve team to start filling out an application to serve here with us in New Life Manitou. There's so many ways to serve. And I would love for everyone to try kids ministry at least once. It's super fun. But as a result of being a little shorthanded this morning, we're only able to offer kids ministry through second grade. So if your kids are older than second grade, they'll remain in the service with you. And second grade and under can be dismissed right now to go to their classes downstairs. Follow Theo, he knows the way. Um, the rest of you turn and greet one another. We will be right back up here with a word in just a moment. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you today. I have a story to tell you. In fact, this whole sermon today is a story. And there's something really powerful about stories, isn't there? I, there's a theologian who said it like this. He said, stories are the most powerful way 
to put ideas into the world. And Jesus knew this. I mean, Jesus knows everything, right? Amen? Amen. He knew this. And he, how did he always communicate? He was known as someone who was always telling parables and stories. And so here's a story within a story within a story. We're going to be looking today at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And it's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. So would you turn to John chapter 4, if you brought a paper Bible, uh, hold up your paper Bible, if you brought an actual paper Bible, anybody, oh, I see, I see some paper Bibles, look at these paper Bibles, give them a thumbs up, it's like, what, like, what does that even mean? If someone, if you're on your phone, uh, looking at your Bible, that's fine too, just if someone's next to you on, on their phone, just give them a little, you know, like, what are you doing? You're making sure they're on their Bible app, all right, so... <laughs> Turn to John chapter 4. Would you stand with me? The title of today's sermon is Jesus Offers Us Living Water. I'll say that again. This is what Jesus and this woman at the well, they're in a conversation, and Jesus is going to offer us, Jesus offers this woman, this metaphorical, spiritual living water. Here's the story. Let's read it. Now he, we're talking about who? Who's the he? Jesus, I guess you're just guessing, uh, but yes, you're right, Jesus, he's the answer to this question. He's the answer to life. Uh, Jesus had to go through Samaria. It's like he had to, like, like no offense to anybody that lives in, I don't know, Nebraska or Kansas, but that's how people talk about having to drive through those places. Sorry, no offense. Uh, but in this case, Jesus wasn't just bored with the scenery because it was flat and just cornfields. In this case, we're going to get to talking about this was, uh, there was some problems. There was socio-economical, political tensions at place, racial tensions at place between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. There was revolts. This wasn't a safe place. So he had to go through Samaria. He's making his way back to Galilee. Verse 5 says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. And then here's some uh, interesting uh, Old Testament Bible knowledge for you. This place was near the plot of ground. Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. What time was it? Noon. About noon. Uh, verse 7, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Verse 9 says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then some explanation here. It says, for Jews, they did not even associate with Samaritans. There's more to this story, isn't there? Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more to this story. <laughs> Verse 10 says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you Living water. So, so far, so there's a woman, Jesus. Uh, Jesus says, woman, give me a drink. Uh, and then she, she says something about this racism that's happening. And then Jesus says, if, if you knew who was asking you, you would have asked me. And then she speaks very literally. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. You don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater then our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself and also his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, this well, will be thirsty again. But here's the statement. Listen to this. Lean in. Let the Lord speak to you. 
But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we behold your your word, this story of you, Jesus, you, God, sitting with this woman and having a conversation, her at this well. And Lord, we all, as humanity, lean in to this story and look with our own grief, with our own um, shortcomings, knowing that we all need living water, not just water to drink, but Lord, something inside of us welling up to eternal life. You say you will promise us this. And so we lean into your word. We praise you. We look forward to what you're going to speak to us this morning in this story. We praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I have a three-point sermon for you because that's, that's usually what I do. It's kind of a you know, triune. There's something about three points that I jo- enjoy as I sit down to write a sermon. Point one is this. God is seeking us. God is seeking us. One more time. God is seeking us. You know, we often hear about us seeking God, but my point here is God is seeking us. There's a famous pastor, if I said his name, you'd all recognize him, uh, someone I look up to, someone who I would say he's mentored me, although I've never met him personally. I've read his books, I've been very influenced by his thinking and his thoughts along the lines of what it means to be a pastor and a preacher. And he said one time that uh, a preacher only has one message. A preacher only has one message. And I've thought about that statement and thought, well, in Manitou's history, did, do, did you know, let me get my words, I'm just excited. Did you, did you know that next week will be seven years of New Life Manitou? Next week, we will celebrate our seven-year happy birthday anniversary, uh, and we'll celebrate with some stories, and we'll have some cake, we'll sugar you up, we'll give you some carbohydrates, and send you on your way and celebrate. Uh, but... Um, I think about those seven years and preaching probably more than 40 times each and every year. That's more than 300 sermons that I've preached. And this statement of this pastor whom I look up to says, really, preachers just have one sermon. And I've thought about that and meditated on that. And I think I agree. Like if you were to think about me and my preaching and the, the, the themes that I've preached over the years, I think he's right. I think my one sermon, and I think every pastor maybe different and has different giftings and brings different uh, gifts to the church. But I think my one sermon is the point I just made, that God is seeking us. If you listen to this, this sermon today, you'll hear it. If you listen to last week's sermon where I preached about Jesus and Nicodemus, I think you'll hear it. If you listen to the sermon beyond that, and as the weeks and the days and the Sundays add up, I think that's one of the themes that you will hear me preach a lot, that God is seeking us. That although we run from him, and there's a, there's a famous poem, it's called The Hound of Heaven. It's written by a uh, not too well-known poet, but uh, a guy named Francis Thompson who was, uh, lived in the 1800s. He was in England and London at the time. He was a part of uh, an opium crisis, and so he was an opium addict. And he writes about running from God and how God is chasing him like a hound of heaven. 
he opens this poem by saying that he, it's first person, I, I fled him down, I ran away from God, down the days and down the nights, I fled him down the arches of the years, I fled him down the labyrinth of ways, in my own mind, in the midst of tears, I fled him, I hid from him. And where is God all along in this poem? Like a dog running after this man who is running away from him. And in the end of the poem, this God catches up to this person running from him. And it's actually the face of love. It's the hand of love that's extended as he's run away and he's fallen on the ground. God catches up and says, you've driven away love. You've driven away joy. And I am love. I am joy. And I've been chasing you down to bring you into grace, to bring you into love. And I think about my sermons and If you were to boil down all of my sermons, I think you would hear that theme again and again. And I see that here in this story. Don't you see it? Those of you that are familiar with the story, that a woman is at a well and Jesus seeks her. Jesus comes to her and starts this conversation whereby which Jesus will offer her living water. Now, a preacher's role is to take the word of God and to to not just read it, but to make it come alive. Right? I mean, a reader will read the Word of God, but a preacher, his or her purpose is to bring it alive, to connect with the people, to be incarnationally speaking about what is in the Word of God and how the Word of God applies and can lift us up here in this room. So, one of the preacher's tasks is to take the story and kind of add to it. So what does this mean to you? This could mean this, or what does this mean in this ancient circumstance or this situation? How does this look today? That's what the preacher's role is to do. And I did this last week. If you were here last week in another Sunday on a snowstorm, thanks for coming on Sundays on snowstorms, by the way. But I preached about Jesus and Nicodemus. And I made the point that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at what time? Night, good job, uh, good job, good job. Well done, everybody. He comes to Jesus night at night. And so I made, I kind of leaned into the story and said, you know, I think this is because Nicodemus was hiding. He didn't want people to know he was coming to Jesus. And so I, I said this last week, I said, I imagine Nicodemus coming with a hood on, kind of secretively. He, didn't, he was someone who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And that's someone who's, who's kind of famous, well-known. He's a politician, an orator, a theologian at that time, someone who was kind of a lawyer and a judge. I said he didn't want people to know he was coming to visit Jesus. And so I, I tried with those details to make the sermon come alive. A good preacher will make stories come alive. And good preachers in this story, the story of Jesus and this woman at the well, have made this story come alive with lots of details that can kind of be read into the text. But today I'm going to preach a message and share with you this story in a way that I think is different than most people have preached this sermon. It's different than the 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 majority of ways that I've heard this sermon preached. Are you ready to look at a story in maybe a little bit differently of a way? Are you okay with that this morning? I'm going to preach a a very literal sermon and and a a sermon that will maybe have you thinking a little bit differently than uh, I think how this sermon is often preached. Uh, I have four boys, and they're all in here. No, Theo's downstairs because he's second grader, younger. Uh, but I realize kids are in here, and my boys are in here. And, I, and one of my boys, I won't say which one because they'll be fighting about which one it is, uh, but they'll probably know who it is. One of my boys thinks about things so differently, very 
literally. It's a gift. It's really cool how the, like you could be, everybody could be looking at this thing and talking about it. And then I have a son who's like on the other side of it, looking at the same thing and able to think so brilliantly and differently about the same thing. And it's very literal and it's just thinking differently. I, I really like that. Just looking at a story very differently, but literally. So that's how we're gonna look at this story, differently and literally. Let me give you two stories of this son who thinks about things <laughs> differently. And I'm pretty sure like most of these stories usually come across as kind of funny. And I think if I was ever given a chance to do some stand-up comedy, and usually amateurs have like 10 minutes, you got 10 minutes. I think I got 10 minutes on this son of mine who has just thinks about things differently. Here's two stories. The first one, is my wife was driving in a minivan. We have a minivan, and I don't think the door shut all the way of the minivan. And so she starts driving, takes the corner, and then it starts like, boo, 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 boo. And one of the kids says, what's that, what's that dinging noise? What is that, mom? And Erica says, oh, that, that's saying that Max's door is open. And so the other son thinks about it. He looks up and to the left. That, that's the way he looks when he's really deep in thought. And he says, Mom, how does the minivan know where Max is sitting? <laughs> Here's another story. Very literal, but very different. So I got up early in the morning. Uh, we, we were at, uh, we were staying, I think we were in Minnesota at the Embassy Suites. And Mark, hi Mark, he works at the Embassy Suites here in town. And he's a part of the breakfast crew. And Embassy Suites has the best breakfast of all the breakfasts of all the hotels. They don't just have like a continental breakfast. They have like an egg bar. So me and this son, we were downstairs uh, first in line. And the guy behind the egg bar was getting things ready and just whistling to himself. I could tell he's been like drinking coffee for the last five hours. And he's ready to go. He's ready to serve the eggs. And uh, he, they open the door, and we come in to get the eggs from the egg bar. And the guy's just all hopped up. He's got like this speech. He says, Young man, what kind of egg do you want? I can make any kind of egg you want. I can make this kind of egg or that kind of egg. Uh, whatever you need, you just name the kind of egg you want. I'll make you any kind of egg. What do you think? What do you want, son? And my son looks up and to the left. He's deep in thought. What's he about to say? He says, Can I have a chicken egg? <laughs> Thank you, New Life Manager. You've been a great crowd. Thank you. Good night. Uh, but we're going to look at this story. We're going to look at this story of the woman at the well, and I want you to think very literally and maybe very differently than you've thought about this story before. So I'm going to lead us into point number two, which is this. I want you to know. I want everybody in here to know. I want myself to know that you are seen by Jesus. I see in this story Jesus going to this woman and this being a preordained conversation where she is maybe in grief, maybe she's broken, maybe she is, uh, this, these things that like, she gives us a bit of her story and this is a very broken, unusual story for a woman to have and Jesus speaks right to her heart. Jesus says, I'm going to give you living water and so I want you to know today that you're seen by Jesus. So Jesus and this woman they meet at the well. What time did it say it was? Noon. Good memory. Good memory, congregation. And um, noon, uh, a lot of preachers, I think, would tell you, and many of you have heard this preached in this way, that noon is the hottest part of the day, and noon is when you would not want to go out and get water. And so this woman was probably at the well because she was despised, 
dejected by society. She probably had a checkered past, if you know what I mean by that. And uh, she was at the well by herself at the heat of the day because no one else would go there and she wanted to be alone. Raise your hand if you've heard this preached that way, right? I've heard this preached. Who knows? I've preached, I don't know, 300 sermons here. I probably preached that before. I've said that. But as I was thinking about this story, and a lot of it is with the help of Ginny Sue, who led uh, with my wife and with Ashley, our women's retreat over the weekend, she shared with me her notes. And uh, they, at the women's retreat this last weekend, uh, they preached uh, three different sessions uh, on the woman at the well. And Jenny Sue, I think you're watching online. And so thank you so much. You helped me this week rethink and orient my sermon. But a couple things here. Um, it doesn't say anywhere that this woman at the well had a checkered past. You know what I mean by that, right? It's kids, there's middle schoolers in here. I'm, I'm being a little metaphorical than, than I need to be, but that's the reason why. It doesn't say that she has a checkered past, does it? I mean, we'll get to a part where she says she's been married a whole bunch before, but that doesn't mean there could be other things going on. And the, the whole idea of this noon thing is, 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 is interesting because it just says it's at noon. And... Sure, a lot of the, the Middle Eastern, you know, Israel, Sychar is hot during the summer. But I was looking at the, um, the weather today. You know, here we are in the, the middle of February. The weather today, out east of Tel Aviv, is, the high today is 68 degrees. Is that hot? Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So uh, depending on, we don't know what part of the year, there's some ideas, this story took place. But the fact that, you know, she was there to be alone because this was the heat of the, the hottest part of the day, that's a conjecture. And that's, as a preacher, we, we give conjectures and that's okay. It draws us into the story. But sometimes those conjectures can, can tilt our understanding of the conversation and the story itself. And the other point, like if you were thinking about this the way my son, who thinks about things very differently and very literally, here, let me ask you a question. You could be slow to answer this, but think about it. Is noon the hottest part of the day? No, I don't think it is. On a normal day, let's say a normal, let's say a Colorado hot, dry day. Let's say it gets over 100, some dog day in August. Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you open your windows, you let the breeze come through, it's cool. It's still warming up. Uh, lunchtime, you eat lunch. And then if you have, like we have a, a window uh, AC unit, do you, when do you need to turn that on? It's usually not till like, Two or three or maybe even four in the afternoon, right? Am I crazy? Is noon the hottest? No, sure, the sun is at its highest, but is noon the hottest part of the normal day? No, it's usually a little later. So I don't think the author, John, is making that point here. I think he's, I think, this is just my opinion because I'm a preacher and that's what a, a preacher does is kind of bring life to a story. I think he's calling upon the previous story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus came at night because he was ashamed. And here's Jesus meeting with this woman in the full light of noon. And it's, Jesus isn't ashamed to be with this woman. Whatever background she has, whatever uh, grief she has, whatever uh, horrible stories that led her to be married, it's going to say five other times. Whatever that story is, Jesus is not ashamed to be with this woman. Um, it is possible that this woman had a checkered past, but, but maybe not. Let's look at the story. This is uh, John chapter 4, verse 7, kind of rereading here. Samaritan came to draw water. Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus asked her, 
Will you give me a drink? And then it says the disciples had already gone out for food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we shouldn't even be talking. And then Jesus will say, uh, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would give, uh, you would ask me for a drink of water. The woman goes into a literal conversation about, you don't have a bucket, you don't have anything to draw the water with. And then Jesus says, I know about living water. And then the woman says in verse 15, skipping down to verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Which is, seems like a really good time in the conversation uh, for Jesus to like close the deal. It's like, would you close your eyes? Would you pray this prayer with me right now? And I'll tell you about this living water. But you know what he does instead? He says, he points right to like this issue in this woman's life and right to the heart of things. In verse 16, he says, go call your husband and come back. In verse 17, we, we get to see more of this story here. I have no woman, uh, excuse me, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. The man you're with now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. The rest of the story is the woman realizes, you must be a prophet. You, you know everything about me. And then they talk about well, the Jews and the Samaritans are worshiping. And Jesus says, you need to worship in spirit and truth. You've heard that phrase. That's where this comes from in John chapter four. And then the woman says, well, I know that the Messiah will explain everything when he comes. And then what does Jesus say? He says that the man you're speaking to, who, to, to, to I am he. Jesus tells her, I am the Messiah. Very early on in Jesus' ministry, he makes this declaration, not in a crowd, not to Nicodemus, but to this woman, that he is the Christ. And there's this interesting dynamic, because this woman's story is quite interesting. She has had five husbands, and the man she's with now is not her husband. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more to this story. There's a lot more to this story. Don't I like, like five? One, two, three, four, five? And you're with a man now? You live with a man who is not your husband? This is interesting. There's a lot to this story and we don't really have the answer here. Like, we don't know. There's a couple different ways. Marriages uh, end, divorce, death. Maybe someone just disappears. Uh, maybe there's some more reasons marriages can and do end. Uh, and then a lot within the divorce. Uh, and then there's, you know, I think about the ancient world. There was a lot of death even amongst young people, young, strong, healthy uh, men and women died much earlier than today because they just didn't have the medical technology. Even something as simple as like a cut, like you're going to make guacamole and you cut your hand. We would just what? You'd, you'd go to the first aid kit, you get some hydrogen peroxide, you get some neosporin, you'd wrap it up in a bandage. Next week you'd be fine, right? Right? Easy peasy. No big deal. In the ancient world, if you cut yourself, there was no hydrogen peroxide. There was no knowledge of like neosporin and needing to bandage it with clean bandages. It's possible that a lot of people die. We don't even think about this stuff of just like simple cuts, things that could be easily uh, prevented. People died. And so it could be possible that this woman had five husbands 
that all died, all five died. We could have a situation, you know, we, we think in, in a, the world I live in, maybe you could judge me for thinking this, but if someone, like this woman in this story has five husbands, I think of someone like Hollywood, rich and famous, going through men, dating around, and just marrying, you know, one-year marriages. Like, that, that's what I think of, but this is the ancient world where divorce was costly and people were already on the brink of starvation could be that this woman had been divorced five times or uh, a husband had died five times or a mixture thereof of divorcing and dying. I think of that cute little, it's a cute little saying about Henry VIII, but it's not like a cute circumstance of Henry VIII. Uh, the, the cute little saying is about Henry VIII's six, five, six wives uh, is, what, what is it? Uh, I have it written down. Divorce, do you know this? Divorce, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. You know this silly little saying? It's like all the wives of Henry VIII. And so we don't know. All I'm saying is we don't know the five husbands that this woman had and what happened to each of them. I cannot, in my mind, imagine a good situation in which this woman had five different husbands, either divorce or death or disappearing. This woman is grieving. This woman is broken. This woman may or may not have had a checkered past, but Jesus doesn't seem to go into any of those details. He goes straight to the heart and says, you're looking for water, true water I have, living water. And there's something I wanna say, and I'll be very general and metaphorical knowing that kids and middle schoolers are in here today, Uh, but I wanted to speak about something that I know as a pastor, I've uh, I, I see a lot, and it's it's a hard situation as as we talk about marriage and divorce. It's one of those things that this this is a burden to to our uh, world. This is a burden to our nation, and that is uh, I'm going to say it like this: the the swampland that is on the internet. Nod your head. You know what I'm talking about. And and it's not only men, but it's usually men going with dirty cups to get dirty water from a swamp. And uh, that problem has become so pervasive that I think a lot of men just say, oh, it's, it's you know, so we're all doing it. And no, it's, that, that water will kill you. That water will destroy a marriage. That water will destroy our nation. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, um, as I speak about this generally and metaphorically, I, I thought of this verse. It's in the Old Testament, and I think it's very applicable to um, what Jesus is saying to this woman and the, the metaphor, the picture I'm painting here. It's Jeremiah 2.13. It's, it's God speaking, and he says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So here's a broken woman at this well and Jesus comes to her and, and she, this, this woman, is maybe representing all of humanity, the sad reality of broken cisterns in our lives and we don't know the background. We just know she's been married five times. That, whatever that story is, that's a sad, dark, lonely Bad story. Whatever happened, five different husbands and you have a man now whom you're living with, which could just be like a kidsman redeemer. Like if husbands had died, you know, if a husband died, 
uh, in this ancient world, a woman would be immediately married to like a brother. And that was because she needed to be cared for. Women in this ancient world just couldn't go out and get a job. They needed to, they, they needed to work in different ways. It's a very different society in which, uh, you know, nowadays that would be unthinkable. You know, a wife dies and you just get married to the brother. That would be the weirdest thing in the world. Why would you even talk about that? But in the ancient world, that's what happened. And potentially that, that brother died if there was a brother. And maybe there was a cousin that, and then maybe it was like, well, maybe there was like an uncle or even a, a father or a grandfather that this woman was now under his care. And, and so whatever this woman's situation, as we as humanity sit by a well and God himself comes to speak to us, he says that there is living water available. And you don't have to drink anymore if you drink of this deep well that God is giving to us. This woman hears this message and then she goes out and what does she do? She tells everybody, come listen to this man who says he's the Messiah. He's told me everything I've ever done. He knows my past. He knows me. And he's offering me living water. A lot of people would say, and I think I agree with it, that this woman is the first Missionary, have you heard that before? That uh, the, the, the timeline of the Gospels is that this woman is, is the first one Jesus reveals he is the Messiah to. And because she can't contain herself and goes to the whole city and starts telling everyone she knows about Jesus, this very well could be like the first missionary of Jesus sent out before the 72 and before the disciples and so on and so forth. Wow, that's awesome. You know, this uncontainable joy when we know we have the living word, the living water inside of us is pretty amazing. I love that our church, I'm seeing new faces today and know that I've been telling you, like invite people in, people that maybe have never been to church, that they might come and they might hear the gospel being presented and Jesus being talked about in a way that maybe they haven't heard before. There's an invitation here to come, to bring people in, to, to, to use this building, this space, this time as a place where the gospel is opened and we worship the Lord unashamedly. Like I just think, wow, the worship in here was amazing this morning. And, and we, we're leaning in and worshiping him and, and God is being praised and this building is to be used in Manitou of all places. And I think just a side note, we're, later this year we're gonna receive an offering for this building and an offering to kind of put a hope into getting permanent space. We're renting this space now, but we have hopes of having a permanent space, an owned space in Manitou as we reach out to this world and to this city that is so desperately in need of living water. I'll close with this story. Thank you, amen. Point three is this. Jesus offers us living water. Do you remember that? I already said that. That's the title and it's point number three. So Manitou has some springs, right? Uh, raise your hand if you like any of the mineral springs. Come on, show those hands. I, I think you just have to live here. And if you live here, you have to like it. And you, you, like tourists come in and they, they take a sip and they're like, pff, pff. <laughs> what is this, fizzy? It's minerally. And I'm like, yeah, it's fizzy and it's minerally and it's delicious. It's awesome, isn't it? And they're like, ah, I don't know. It maybe it'd take a little getting used to, but I like it. And uh, the, did you know the little history lesson of Manitou that people came into Manitou for those waters. People thought, like back in the day, uh, there was a tuberculosis pandemic and people were dying of a lung disease. They didn't know that it was just a bacteria and all they needed was an antibiotic. They didn't know about all that. 
But what they knew and what they hoped was that a town like Manitou with these mineral springs, people were desperate. And they came here and they sipped the mineral springs and they breathed the mountain air. And hey, those are two good things, right? Mountain air and, and good water. Those, those things, they can't hurt you. They'll help you. And some people were healed of tuberculosis and uh, people got better. And this town was founded on these mineral springs. And uh, this, is, this is seven years ago. This is when we were planting New Life Manitou Springs. I was out just kind of walking the town. We used to live right downtown by the post office, and that was cool because I did a lot of walking around and meeting people. Uh, now we live up by Savelli's. It's a little harder. You got to find parking. Everybody started rolling their eyes, parking. Uh, but you, did you know you're, you're always welcome to park here at the church and, and go walking into, into town if anybody ever was like, oh, I didn't know we could park here. Yeah, you could park here. Um, all I ask is that you walk with purpose as you're walking through Manitou. I think whenever I'm walking Manitou, I just... Uh, I, I, I'm not the kind of person that hands out tracts. Some of you might do that. And, and so I, I've seen the fruit of that ministry uh, of like street evangelism. But I don't walk with tracks, but I walk with a purpose. I, I walk with like, God, would you show me if there's a conversation who I need to talk to? And after living here, how long have you lived here? Almost 15 plus years, uh, 16 years. Uh, I, I've gotten to know a lot of people. I have a lot of conversations. People know me as the pastor of Manitou. And, and I am invited in to conversations, to speak to people, to give people words. Um, and I, seven years ago, I, I saw a guy filling up water bottles at one of the springs. I think it was Wheeler Spring. And he was parked there and he had all these water bottles and he was filling them up. And I just made small talk because that's, that's what you do. Small talk leads to bigger talk. And so don't be afraid of small talk. I said, oh, you must like the water. He said, oh yeah, I live in Colorado Springs, but I come all the way out here to get a couple weeks worth of water in these water bottles, and I just love it. As I, he said, do you love it? And I said, of course I love it. I love the water. It's the best water. It's really good. And we, we started talking about the water, and then the conversation said, well, what do you do? And that's a, a really good, for me as a pastor, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's my end. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> that's my end. And so I'm a pastor, and I usually kind of just say I'm a pastor, and then I kind of get silent. And if they quickly change the topic, oh, yeah, the Super Bowl's today, is Taylor Swift's going to be, blah, 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 and they just instantly change the subject. I don't push it, and I don't force the conversation. But if they're any part of open, they might say, well, what kind of church? What, what kind of pastor? And then I just, I, I just mark it. I mark the conversation. I think, I, I, I have something I might be able to say here. So, so we talked about the church. This is seven years ago, the church that I was planting uh, in, in Manitou. And, and we were coming together and launching this church. And I, we talked about that. And then I said, can I tell you a story that's in the Bible? And he was, yeah, sure. And I, I pulled out the, the best to my ability at the time, this story. The story of this woman who's at a well to get water. And Jesus says, there's, there's something much greater than this water you're coming to get. And it's living water. And I told this guy about that. And it, he, he was kind of, you knew I was, he was just kind of on edge. He packed up his stuff and he put the bottles in the car. But he had tears in his eyes. And he just thanked me for the conversation. And he went his way. But I just think... You know, that's a lot of people in Manitou, spiritual people who are, are spiritually hungry. And that sometimes works its way out to like, oh, the minerals and the water and the healing. And, and we have, as a church, stumbled upon a verse. It's a set of verses in Isaiah 41. I'll read them in just a moment. But early on, when we were launching this church seven years ago, seven years ago next week, uh, 
we found this set of verses, and I remember preaching a sermon about this and living water. And uh, right after the service, after I had read this portion of scripture, Isaiah 41, and the sermon about living water, someone came up to me and was really excited. They said, did you know that they just put a sign on Manitou Ave, like the west end of town? And so if you're driving into town from the west, you get off Highway 24, and you're coming into Manitou to downtown there is a sign, this is Manitou, kind of like the city limit sign uh, as you're approaching downtown from the, the 24 bypass. And then there's this big brick and stone tower and then a little a wooden thing that comes out. And uh, at that point, seven years ago, there was a sign that just went up. And this, this person that approached me was like, do you know what the sign says? Guess what it says? Guess what it says? And as a joke, I just said, what's it say? Living water? And she just, she started crying. And I started, like, that's what it said. There was a sign. Like, like, and this is, this is all just coincidence, right? But I took so much joy in knowing that, that we didn't put up that sign. The child didn't put up that sign. It seemed like a city had put up a sign that just said two words, living water. Seven years ago, right as we were planting this church. And I can't help but to think that that maybe whoever put up that sign was just saying, oh, our, our, our waters are healing waters, you know, the minerals in them. But maybe they don't have any idea, and, and they should have a lot of idea, that the true living water that gives life to our inmost being and bubbles up eternal life is Jesus Christ, the living water. Amen? Would you stand with me? The, the band can come back forward. This is the passage of Scripture I wanted to read for you. It's Isaiah 41, and this is the passage that I've just been so encouraged by. It's a passage about water, and we've been speaking about water, but we haven't been speaking about water, right? Like, we're talking about water on a surface level, but really we're talking about eternal life and living water that Jesus gives us. This is Isaiah 41, found in the Old Testament, a prophecy. It says, when the poor and needy search for water, but there is none their tongues are parched from thirst. Then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, I will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. That just sounds like Manitou, doesn't it? And it's a metaphor of God's life and his true redeeming living water inside of us. And then it says these trees are going to grow because that's what the Lord does with living water. And his, his word, Psalm 1, says that a life meditating on the word of the Lord is like a tree planted by streams of water. So going back to this passage, verse 19, it says, I will plant trees on the barren desert. Trees in the desert. Cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. And I'm doing this. God is speaking. I'm doing this so that all who see this miracle will understand what it means that it is the Lord who has done this the Holy One of Israel who has created it. So as we're standing now, would the communion team, would you come forward to serve communion? We're gonna receive at the table the communion servers as you pass through the lines. If you're new to our congregation, know that if you believe in Jesus, you're welcome to come to this table. This is not just a table for, for New Life Manitou. This is an open table. And as you come, the communion servers, servers will say, Christ's body and blood for you. Christ's body and blood for you. Would you receive it? Would you come back around? Just hold the elements. Pastor Lance is gonna come and he's gonna, in unison, 
lead us into a moment where we receive from the cup and from the bread. But this is the body of Christ for the body of Christ. This is the gift of God for the people of God. Would you come?
open your elements, get your little piece of bread out. And I'm going to read you what the scripture says about what Jesus did when he gathered his disciples together. It says, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all take the bread together. It says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's all take the cup together. Gracious God, we thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your son whose body would be broken on a cross, whose blood would be shed for the forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our bodies. And in accordance with your, your word, it says, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we honor you today and your sacrifice and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, um, I want to thank God for the living water that is being offered to us. If you would like prayer as we kind of conclude this service now, if you would like prayer, I'll be down here as well as the communion team will be here to pray with you, pray for you. If you're new to our church, there's, there's a whole bunch of things going on in this community, which is really beautiful. We have an email that we, we send out every other week or so. Uh, you could, as you leave, you could fill out a visitor card by, by hand. If, you, if you're not on the email list, uh, get on the email list. If, if you would rather do it electronically, we have the QR codes on the back of your chairs. We have a gift for you. It's a year-long devotional that a senior pastor of the New Life Congregations has written, as well as a worship CD that this New Life Manitou band has uh, recorded and written the songs. They're all Manitou original songs written for the city to bring the city to worship in Jesus. And so we'd love for you to have that gift. If you don't have that gift, fill out the visitor card. Even if you filled out the visitor card before, you can fill it out again. And we would love to have you get that gift. Um, couple announcements. Volunteers. We would love to have kids ministry volunteers. Like today, we had three people cancel because of the snow and some sickness. And so we had to cancel some of the classes. We apologize for that. And it's just another reminder. We would always need volunteers in our kids meeting, kids ministry uh, downstairs or in the middle school right here. If you're at all interested in that, come talk to me or to Kelly as you leave in the back seat. We can get you information about how to apply and there's, uh, there's a little bit of a process involved, but we would love to have you serve. This Wednesday, we have a high school ministry, 633, happening on Wednesday night right here. Guess what time it's at? 6.33, and it's, it's based upon Matthew 6.33. You'll have to look up that scripture. Uh, in a couple weeks, 
we are going to, from now until March 3rd, we're going to be announcing that uh, myself, I'm going to lead a mission trip to Ecuador in October. So it's a long ways off, but we'll need to plan and prepare. And I'll have a whole bunch of information to give you about this Ecuador mission trip on the 3rd of March. So be aware that we're going to do that. It's going to be a trip open to all New Life congregations, but I'm going to lead it. So I'd love to have lots of Manitou people there. Uh, finally, tomorrow, right in the in the upper room is Sound Minds. It's a Bible study. It's a discussion group on uh, mental health, and we're going to be talking about trauma. And I just I I, I know uh, I very briefly very briefly but metaphorically talked about some issues that a lot of people, specifically men, often face. Tomorrow's group would be a great place to kind of investigate that, think through that, as well as. We have Celebrate Recovery that meets at New Life North and New Life Downtown has a Celebrate Recovery. And Joel, lead, you lead worship for Celebrate Recovery at the New Life North one on Thursday. And so you'd see a familiar face. And it's all about hurts, habits, and hangups that we all struggle with. And so it's an open group for that. Let me pray a blessing over you. If you're okay with it, would you open your hands, a sign of receiving. Lord, I pray, would you bless them and keep them Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, I pray that your countenance lifts them up and fills them with living water and that they might leave here full, cups overflowing, ready to give a cup of cold water to every person they see and meet this week. I pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.